Today's edition of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by Anchor.fm, a free distribution service podcasting hosting platform that allows you to record your podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor.fm app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and enjoy the episode. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome everyone to the next installment of Neo Reality Collective. We cover the final half of this week of the final month of the ending week of March. I mean, February. Oh, God, I screwed this up. Sorry. The Pop Culture News Talk is back again with another, set, with another talk about pop culture and all things and everything that has to do with entertainment. Sadly, we must start this off with a report that WWF star Jumping Johnny DeFenzo has sadly passed away at the age of 80. The wrestling world lost him around 27th of February and... The wrestling world is in mourning. Okay. But, yeah, I didn't know much about this guy. Uh, a lot of people talked about him, but I never knew who he was as a person. So, I, I honestly have nothing to say about this other than just let's have a moment of silence in honor of him. Okay. So in wrestling-related news, Mark Henry has come out and says he plans on having one more match, having a match in the next six months. He hasn't wrestled. Mark Henry hasn't wrestled since the greatest Rum- Royal Rumble match in 2018, with his last one-on-one match coming in 2017 when he wrestled Braun Strowman. But he believes he has one more match in him, and he has plans to step back into the ring. Saying in an interview on Busted Open Radio. I'd rather get punked out than get my ass whooped. Randy is not someone to mess around with if you're not 100%. I'm walking on two feet. I'm 325 pounds. I'm lighter and trimmer than I've ever been. I plan on having a match in the next six months. I just want to have one match. If Randy is the guy, then so be it. Believe me, I'll be ready. And I won't be on one foot in a push scooter. I have to wrestle in this decade. I've got to. Big Show has wrestled for four decades, and I've wrestled in three. I can't let him have that over me. Oh, man. Considering Big Show's now signed to AEW, he's probably never going to have to acknowledge him on TV. So basically, he's dead to him. But, uh, yeah. Would I like to see Mark Henry come back? I mean, really, I was thinking, like, 2013 should have been the year he retired because of that emotional speech he gave. He even had one last match against John Cena, and that would be it. But no, he kept going because when you have the perfect chance to end your career on a more positive term... Or having one last match to put over the champion, 
you gotta go ahead and screw that up by coming back again and again and again to the point that you're just like what are we doing here in other news trent as he's more known as um of the best friends tony Connor revealed that said said that trent was the hardest wrestler he had to convince to come to AEW. Speaking of Wrestling Observer Live, because of course that would be the place, so you know people are going to call this BS. Khan discussed how he put the full core press that's on Trent to get it to AEW, saying this, Trent was probably the hardest person for the for me to convince who actually came. I spent a lot of time on the phone with a few people who really needed extra convincing, and other people I believed in and put the full core press on, uh, the full core press on, that's the one. There are a couple of other people that didn't come that made a huge mistake and should have listened to me, and they didn't. He did. I joke with him all the time that he made the right choice. Every single month I tell Trent that. I'm a huge Trent fan and have been a believer in his for many years. I was a huge fan of the of Roman Pally Vice. Trent and the truck are guys that were in a position that would have fit into New Japan's plans and would have been important people there. That's something he told me. They had plans for him and they wanted to keep him. I tell him I have plans for you and I want you here. I really believe in you and you'll be happier here. He's been great, and they've been a huge part of AEW. I'm grateful Trent came. There are other people that I liked, maybe not quite as much as Trent, but I like the others that I liked. I think that I put the full court press in, and they didn't listen. They wish they had. So, yeah, he also praised the famous parking lot brawl between the best friends and, and LAX, a.k.a. Pride and Powerful, and calling it one of the greatest TV matches he's ever produced and seen on TV. He's currently sci-fi with a partially torn pec suffered in December 2020. Mirror stated that Trent would be out for five months. So we're currently in February. It's the end of February, honestly. So about two more months remain. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about what's going on behind the scenes. I'm like, it looks like it's a fun environment there. We'll have, we'll, we'll probably, be, if the company ever went public, it probably would turn into a different vibe. So, yeah. What I like to see, and I'm pretty sure Sam Punk was the other guy who's going to have a hard time convincing if Punk ever wanted to come back to wrestle. But, yeah, speaking of Tony Khan, he also spoke about how AEW will have two network shows, two streaming shows in 2021. AEW Dark Elevation is set to premiere on March 15th and air on Mondays on YouTube, but the content doesn't stop for AEW. Following the announcement of Dark Elevation, eight fans wondered if the AEW second show on TV would still be happening. When AEW signed an extension, the second show was announced in a press release, but further details were not given. Tony Contour to social media said that a second show on TNT was still happening. Speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Khan offered up more details of AEW's content plan moving forward. There will be two television shows and two television TV streaming shows, which I think is very appropriate. Some of the most successful wrestling companies have fielded a couple of flagship shows and a couple of shows for more of developmental and carrying to fans. You'll have to, two dark properties for two TNT properties. I'm really excited about it and we're ready for it. It was TNT's idea. I originally had the total elevation and the executives made a great point. You don't want to create confusion with different brands. Elevation is an extension of dark, so they essentially called it, it so they call it AEW Dark Elevation. He will provide Big Show, the formerly known as Big Show, Paul White, and he is set to provide commentary for Dark Elevation alongside Tony Schiavone. So you got this, this, you got Dark, you got Dark Elevation, you got Dynamite, you got their second TNT show, you got Countdown, Row 2, Beating the Elite, so six shows. 
six, so, like, wow, wait, seven, six to seven, I think, uh, there's four for the TV and stream, uh, there's two for net TNT and there's two for YouTube, BTE, uh, countdown, row two, five, six, so yeah, six shows, <laughs> my god, what have they done, seven, I, I keep getting this count wrong, I, I don't know why. But there is some good news regarding the the continuing rebuilding of the wrestling shared universe that Vince McMahon has so eloquently tried to destroy in his life. New Japan Pro Wrestling and CMWL all released a joint statement promoting unwavering continued partnership. So the working relationships begin amongst promotions AEW and Impact have carried successful working on a successful working relationship, and New Japan Pro Wrestling have even begun to get involved. New Japan and CMWL oh, have now announced that after over a decade of a successful partnership, they look forward to continuing more together as the ongoing pandemic has prevented them from doing so in the last calendar year. Putting out this press release, they went ahead. The working agreement between AEW and New Japan, however touch and go it may be at this time, will be on full display on the next episode of New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong when John Moxley defended his IWGP US title against Kenta. Well, so yeah. Yeah, they put out this press release, and as the Wrestling Shared Universe continues to grow and grow and grow, once again, we're getting a rebirth period. It, New Japan is also seeking to expand more. Apparently, New Japan Pro Wrestling is in talks with multiple US TV networks. According to Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer, New Japan Pro Wrestling is in talks with multiple US TV networks over a possible TV deal. Access is reportedly one of these networks. The talks between the two sides were recently described as significant, and there is a decent chance both sides will come to an agreement. Which other TV shows are promoting is currently unknown, but the promotion held talks with ESPN, Vice, and CBS Sports Network over the last year before deciding to go to the Roku channel. New Japan announced the non-exclusive deal with Roku in early February, and a weekly series based around past matches have been airing on the Roku channel since February 11th. Episodes that are currently available feature matches from Wrestle Kingdom 14, New Deer Dash, Dash and the New Beginning Sapporo. New Japan Pro Wrestling has previously held TV deal with Access TV from 2014 to December 2019. The original deal was supposed to last until 2021 in January, but both sides agreed to terminate the relationship early. Yeah, that story. So, when Anthem bought the Access TV network, apparently, now this is not confirmed, but it wouldn't surprise me because there was bad blood between them and another group of people from Anthem, where Anthem had owned Impact. Impact own, is owned by Anthem, and New Japan Pro Wrestling is really strict in their philosophy of we care about our wrestlers mentality to kind of a poisonous mentality, I think, in my opinion, because they were so mad at, New, at, at TNA. Please know, Impact Wrestling has become radically different from TNA Wrestling from the olden days, but they were still mad because Impact had mishandled Okada despite them coming out and apologizing profusely to him when they were trying to work together on when they were he was when they were trying to work it out on everything but New Japan Pro Wrestling was like no we don't forgive him we will never forgive you guys and we will hate you so much that we'll drop our deal with the network which is a uh, problematic so yeah, apparently reports came out as this was going on that WWE backstage reaction to Bad Bunny revealed. Uh, yeah. Since performing his song, Booker T, at the Royal Rumble, Bad Bunny has been ever present on Monday Night Raw. The Puerto Rican rapper kicked off the feud with The Miz on John Morrison on January 31st pay-per-view. 
through a Royal Rumble, and he and Damian Priest will reportedly face the former SmackDown Tag Team Champions at WrestleMania 37. While The Miz and Morrison may not be big fans of Big, of big Bunny, big fans of Bad Bunny, the Fightful Select report the rapper had made great impression on several superstars in the locker room, particularly how he's been treating his role on TV seriously, certainly pointing out he as a positive example of celebrities in wrestling. But he's also described, uh, described as easy to deal with, and he was reportedly excited to do business in the future. So, yeah, uh, I don't particularly care about Bad Bunny in terms of in terms of his uh, current character, I, I don't care. It, it's just why, like, okay, if the wrestlers are good about it, fine, whatever. Like, I, like you normally hear the story where wrestlers are angry when you hear the whole celebrities getting big, big time matches when there are guys and gals who haven't worked there for years. One guy comes in, but because he's famous somewhere else, that means he gets a, gets to cut in line. But yeah. IGN also has reported that GameStop stock is soaring once more. Oh, uh, great. So, they don't know why. They have no clear reason why. I know the theories are circulating about this, about, you know, the subreddits going out again and, you know, circulating that indeed because of Bell's departure, but with different context. So, yeah, all this is going on, and I'm just like... Oh gosh, should we be expecting more TV shows in the future and movies being made about this? I, I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, as all that was going on, Kevin Feige came out with something. Uh, no MCU project has been held back by PG-13 rating. Deadpool is an exception. So, Yeah. So, this is the thing that bugs people. So, Blade is reportedly going to be PG-13. It's not going to be the radar movie that everyone feels it should be. And Deadpool's been made the exception that, oh, it's, it started off as a radar movie, so it has to end as a radar movie. Even though people want Blade to be a, a rated R movie because they feel that's more appropriate for the content. Which I totally get. But now you're saying that it can't be that, it has to be that, and you have an actor that was on the Netflix side of the MCU, which, you know, will definitely help everyone try to make sense of everything. Um, he Kevin Feige tries to say, um, I think we target everything we're doing now for kids and adults, so I think your question is more adult or rated R, clarifying in his response before delving further into the subject. Other than Deadpool, which has already been established itself as a certain genre and a certain rating that we've already said we would not mess with when we start working with Deadpool, which we have. Other than that, we've never we've not encountered another story of Caroline's or a character's journey that PG-13 or the tone or the ratings that we've been using to this point has prevented us. Except now you have fans saying that Blade needs to be rated R because Blade is a very violent story about vampires. And you have a movie in your catalog, granted it's not your under the MCU banner, but it's still a movie in Marvel Comics' catalog that says Blade was a hard R movie. So, yeah, they keep saying they've never been held back by it. I don't think they have been. I don't think they have been, but now as time goes by, you gotta contend with Blade. You have Deadpool already rated R. You did ban smoking in the MCU, but that was more of a Disney thing than actually anything else. 
which is weird. I mean, like, I know they're trying to say they don't want to glorify it, even though I'm pretty sure everyone who thinks with a brain would say, yeah, they're not glorifying it. That's just what the person is doing. But considering how people are freaking out over Mr. Potato Head, I get the feeling I wouldn't be surprised if they got a problem with it. Oh, by the way, Mr. Potato Head is being uh, silenced. Oh, man. For those who play Kingdom Hearts Union, Kingdom Hearts Union X 10 Dark, Road is shutting down, but will be made available offline. Screen Enix Reveal has revealed it's shutting down the Kingdom Hearts Union X Dark's Ro 10 Dark Road, but an offline version will be made available so players can still enjoy the story. A part of the end of service announcement that was announced, announced by, from the Kingdom Hearts series director Tetsui Nomura. Uh, so, yeah. An offline version will also will launch on May 13th, May 30th, and then this will be updated to include Dark Road content later in September 2021. So, yeah, for those who played the mobile game, I tried to get into it, I just wasn't, but considering there was some essential material in there, it's more of annoyance. But, yeah. Along with that, Nickelodeon and Entertainment One have announced a new Transformers animated series. Yay! 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 So this this new action comedy series will consist of twenty six half hour hour episodes following a new species of Transformers on a mission to find their place and purpose amongst Autobots, Decepticons, and the human family that adopts them. The series is being co-produced by Nickelodeon Entertainment One and will premiere exclusively on Nickelodeon in the U.S. before debuting in other countries. Their creative team is built up from several animated TV veterans such as Ant War from Rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Nicole, Nicole Dizzy from Transformers Rescue Bots, who are both serving as executive producers together with co-executive producer and Dave Elver, Dale, I can't pronounce that name, of Rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Production will be overseen by Nickelodeon's Conrad Montgomery and E. Ra and E. One's uh, Mikkel Hauser. In a statement that came out, Ramsey said, "As soon as I, I read the creative concept, which at its core is about family, I knew we absolutely had to tell the story of our good friends at E. One and Hasbro." Uh, the president of Nickelodeon Animation said, "The series will tell a reimagined story featuring both original characters and fan favorites for a whole new generation of kids and families." The creative team at Naked, overseen by Claudia. Claudia, Senior Vice President of Animation Development, can't wait to get started building this new world. So, yeah. Entertainment One President of Family Brands came out with saying this of Entertainment One. We're thrilled to be working with Nickelodeon to expand the Transformers animated universe and bring an all new more than meets the eye story to life. This new story series is a fresh creative take on the brand and will excite longtime fans around the world and soon to be fans alike. All being introduced to the robots in disguise by A-list creative team led by E1's Mikkel Hauser. Oh yeah, it's trying to it's part of Nickelodeon's strategy to be the home of biggest franchises kids and families love as it joins the growing animation slate that already includes SpongeBob plus the first ever SpongeBob spinoff, Camp Coral, SpongeBob's Under Years because that was the thing people were really asking for, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Star Trek Prodigy, amongst others. Yeah. So for those who ever watched the Bugs Snacks, um, <clears throat> so apparently Bugs Snacks had a dark ending that was originally even darker, and they changed it. So, yeah. So 
Apparently, the bones of the Zenny are in the original draft, unlike the bones in the boneless bug snack. But how much of it plays out drastically different? Science is the dark and silly in many regards, but undoubtedly the biggest change was the original version of what was all actually played. What was actually played occurs before you even get to the under snack, snack which didn't even exist in the first draft. It's just some cave Lisbeth said. And, and that's the fact that Eggbell died on her and Lisbeth's adventures up on the mountain in a gruesome fashion. Yeah. So, apparently this ending was supposed to be darker. I never heard of this game. So, yeah, get ready for that insanity if those who played it. Dino's Reborn has been announced for PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. Set to come out in 2022. Being developed by Hardcore Way and published by Vision Edge Entertainment. A first-person survival game in the which you'll need to craft, explore, hunt, and kill dinosaurs on a mysterious planet that feels like it came from a town of a time capsule on Earth after you crash land there. So, get ready for those adventures with dino hunting. Now, if we can ride one and battle dinosaurs with them, I'm pretty sure this will be automatically decreed the best game ever accordingly. Along with that, American McGree... McGee reveals Oz Adventures, a hybrid TV and video game project. Because we all know those types of projects survive, like that MMO Defiance, which Jack sucked down. Uh, Doom Quake and Alice alumni American McGee he has revealed Oz Adventures, a television series and video game project that has been picked up for development by Radar Pictures. The pit project is based on the Oz series of books, which began as The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. McGee said on Instagram that he and his team will be working to develop an Odds Adventures concept for production of the TV series and video game. With luck, you'll be soon to turn around on one of your content providers, HBO, Netflix, Amazon, unknown, and find Odds Adventures, the game and TV show, among your entertainment options. He describes his vision of Oz as Running Man versus Witches, Quadlings, and Munchkins. Characters are involuntarily pulled into Oz from all over the world and all through time. Ah, uh, yes. During the rich, recent Twitch stream, McGee shared Radar's picture speculative pitching presentations for Odds Adventures. First, where the game is described as a single-player episode narrative game. Each episode takes place during a different time era, play, plunging vastly different characters with different abilities and storylines into a beautiful but arcane world of Oz. Do they succeed? Do they perish? What secrets do they uncover? Earth, the presentation reads. Still working on Alice Asylum, a potential third game in his... Alice series. Ace McGee is uh, still in production with support from fans on Patreon. Hmm. So, more Oz content. Even though people... I don't know if anyone was even asking for Oz. I don't... I all, Whenever I hear Wizard of Oz, I'm thinking of that old school era movie. And that's it. I don't think of anything else. And yeah, I'm told there's more. But I don't really see that much talked about. I always hear the Wicked Witch of the West. Water. Her... And the boots ending, which okay, that then confused me because now it's like, oh wait, so why didn't they do this before? But then they had to explain blah blah blah, blah and how it's about her character, progression as a character, and all that. Yeah. Resident Evil director, um, filmmaker Paul W. S. Anderson is set to direct The Lost Lands, an adaptation of a short story from Game of Thrones creator George R. R. Martin, according to the Hollywood Reporter. The cast is being led by Mielovich, Anderson's wife, and the star of the previous Resident Evil movies, as well as the recent Monster Hunter movie adaptation, together with Dave Bautista from Guardians of the Galaxy and Zack Snyder's upcoming 
Any, any heists for their army of the dead? Well, I immediately don't care about this. So when the minute you said it was Paul W.S. Anderson, you immediately lost everything. You, this is, at this point, is people starting to think he's like the new Uber Bowl of video games? You finally got rid of Uber Bowl. Now you have Paul W.S. Anderson ruining everything. So, yeah. I'm just at that point, we're thinking, is that is that the case with fans now? They just want him to go away, and now Mila Jovovich is involved, so that doesn't really help anybody. Oh, man. G.I. Joe! Live-action Lady J is TV series is coming to Amazon. Undercover agent Lady J is getting her own live-action TV series. The show will come to Amazon's according to Deadline, and it is the creation of Eric Olsen, who will serve as the showrunner. Also, was the executive producer and lead writer for the Amazons, The Man in High Castle, oh, who, and one of the actors who's perhaps that, and one of the producers of Michael Bay's live-action Transformers film franchise, will be executive producer. I can't pronounce his name, Lorenzo. I'm not even going to try that last name because that's going to be completely insane. Hane, so good luck with that. Deadline reports that this Lady Jane series will be a standalone series centered on GI Joe operative, but will connect to the wider GI Joe universe. A live-action version of her was seen, last seen in 2013's G.I. Joe Retaliation. She was portrayed by, portrayed by a different actress. It is unclear if the series follows Lady Jane or a new and separate version of the, of the character. She was introduced in the 1984 animated series before an action figure of the character was created. And so, there's your facts on that. And now you know! And knowing it makes it even more better and confusing. G.I. Joe! So, um... <laughs> the Yang April 6th, the day after its free PlayStation Plus promotion ends, Destruction All-Stars will be available for purchase for 20 bucks and a $50, a $50 price drop compared to its previously announced price point of 70 bucks. saying this is a great value and helping ensure the mayhem will continue long after our PlayStation Plus promotion comes to an end. Of course, if you already added the game to your library, it's yours to keep as long as you're an active PlayStation Plus subscriber. They also detailed the new content Destruction All-Stars players can expect in the months ahead, including Double XP Weekend, Single Player Challenge Series, new skins, feature playlists such as Mayhem 8v8 and Stockpile 4v4. Originally slated as a PS5 launch game, it was delayed till February, and in part followed its eventual PS Plus launch. It made sense to delay and go PS Plus just as predominantly online multiplayer game. It absolutely made sense to go to what the wildest audience possible. Well, what better way to do that than the PlayStation Plus audience? You mean the locked door area where people have to pay now, whereas on PS3 it was free? Yeah, and considering IGN also, uh, IGN gave it a 6 out of 10 probably is not going to help. So after the destructive failure of the events that was known as Anthem and the success of Fallen Order, Dragon Age 4 will reportedly be single-player RPG with no multiplayer. So yeah, just a, just a day after the official cancellation of Anthem Next, an update planned for Bioware's latest game that aimed to overhaul many of the live game systems, systems and fix its problems. Bloomberg reports that Dragon Age 4 will not have multiplayer, instead it will be a single player only RPG. 
is EA gave Bioware, the team behind Dragon Age 4, the go-ahead to remove all planned multiplayer and gaming as a service component from the RPG in recent months. This is a pivot to an entirely single-player experience as reported the result of the Fallen Order success, which sold millions of copies to beat out EA's expectations, and the failure of, the, of Anthem to win back audiences is after a rocky launch. Bloomberg reports a source close to the development said the game was previously designed to have a heavy multiplayer component. The game's development began back in 2015, and two years later, in the fall of 2017, they reportedly rebooted the development in order to, to launch harmonization. The reports of the reboot and push harmonization are apparently what led to the departure of Mike Laidlaw from Bioware. Dragon Age 4 was referring to refer to Anthem with Dragons for those working on the game. During this time, some Bioware's leaders pushed back against EA bought Pivia to develop back to single-player focus. It sounds like they eventually won the fight for single-player if this new report is anything to go on. Restate has not been confirmed. The next big project is Mass Effect Legendary Edition, set to release in May. Hey, while waiting for that, the eventual return of Thetis. Check out the there's a Dragon Age 4 teaser trailer, and then and then you can be looking up information online. So thank God, I want Dragon Age. I want Bioware to be Bioware again, not whatever the hell it turned into. And luckily, Anthos. <coughs> Luckily, Anthem's failure and Fallen Order's success convinced them, you know, they kind of have a point with single player. It's not dead like you thought it was. Meanwhile, Final Fantasy, IV, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate has been announced for PS5, and PS5's upgrade details have been revealed. So, they announced this massive series of announcements of the Final Fantasy VII Remake Department. And saying that those who own Final Fantasy VII Remake for PS4 will be upgraded and carry over their save data for, to the PS5 version for free, with one exception. The PS5 Digital Edition owners can upgrade their physical PS4 copies to the Digital PS5 Edition. Integrate also introduces an all-new episode which will play as Ninja Yuffie. Yes, she infiltrates the Shari Schindler Corporation to steal powerful materia and restore glory to her homeland. It will also be released alongside PS5 Upgrade on June 10th for an additional currently and specific cost. Yes! Alongside the $70 standard edition, Square will release a $90 US Digital Deluxe Edition and a Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate that includes a new Yuffie episode, a digital mini soundtrack, and a digital art book. Released on PS4 last April, Final Fantasy VII Remake was praised across the board and, you know, <laughs> insane. But a lot of people were also kind of mad when they realized, um, oh, wait, where's the Tifa episode that you promised? You know, that Tifa episode you said that was nearly completed, but then you just scrapped out the last minute. That would have actually been interesting to see her character be explored more. Uh, than fans going ahead and finding her just attractive and an awesome character, but we could have gotten more character development for her. Nah, we can't. Too bad. Meanwhile, Salt... Final Fantasy The First Soldier and Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis has been announced for mobile, which will arrive in 2021. And for the so, Final Fantasy First Soldier will be available on iOS in 2021. And Ever Crisis is a chapter structure single player game that looks to cover the whole Final Fantasy VII timeline, including Ever Children, Before Crisis, Crisis Core, or in Diaries of Cerberus. It will feature a nostalgia visual twist that looks like a lot like the modernizing style's take on the original PS1 graphics. Era Crisis is set to release on iOS and Android in 2022. I would say I'm interested, but again, I'm not much of a mobile gamer, so good luck with that.
Along with joining the PS5 slate of games, Returnal is a PS5 exclusive roguelike replaying a promise. So the PS5 PlayStation console launch windows and new homes, new games, games have been synonymous for the past couple of generations now, and will continue to be with the developers Returnal are exclusively be coming to the PS5 on April 30th, but more so that past launch games like Super Stardust HD and Rosengun. And as well as other modern arcade classes like Nick Machina, Returnal looks to be the studio's most ambitious entry yet. And while we're still waiting to get our hands on it, according to IGN, and, um, <clears throat> an extended look at gameplay demo along with the time spent speaking to some of the developers and whatnot, that revealed some additional details, especially the return of the connected threads, arcade not being dead, and, you know, all this awesome stuff they're doing. This was an interview on IGN. If you want to check it out, you can look at the full details. But along with that, the Division film is star starring Jake Gallenheim, hires Red Nose director Ross and Marshall Thurber. <laughs> okay. That's starting to replace David Lech, and it's just the director of The Division. This news comes away with Deadline, which reports Lech, who is perhaps most known for the director of Deadpool 2, had to step down as director for Netflix's Division movie due to scheduling conflicts with his current project. Bullet Train. The the curtain director also direct, had directed Skyscraper and Dodgeball has stepped up to fill the role and will also co-write the script. So the original director the original director will remain attached to the movie as a producer. Story will fill, set to follow the general events of the first Ubisoft Division game released in 2016, which follows Division agents to take back New York City after it's ravaged by a virus spread through the paper money distributed on Black Friday. Damn you, ambition! Along with that, Fortnite! Yay, Fortnite! We all know about Fortnite and what it did to the world. Ellen Ripley and the alien Xenomorph are joining the crew. Yippee! Monster Hunter Rise is coming to PC on 20, in 2022 for... For PC along with a Nintendo Switch, but no details of the PC version were available at this time, saying that they've received a lot of requests for PC version of Monster Hunter Rise, particularly from overseas players, so they have the divided developer version for PC, which they aim to release in early 2022. There's, this is still in development, so they'd like to share more details when the time is right. Meanwhile, Final Fantasy VII Remake could be coming to PS Plus in March, but won't be upgradable to PS5 version. So then why do it? But then an update came out that PS Final Fantasy Remake for PS4 has now been confirmed for March's PS5 PS lineup, PS Plus lineup, and will not offer the and will not offer a free upgrade. The PS4 version of Final Fantasy VII Remake could be coming to PS Plus next month, at least in Japan, and it won't be upgraded freely to the new PS5. So what's the point carrying? So along with this <clears throat> The Uncharted movie by Tom Holland says he, says that he approached the performance was a mistake and he vows never to make this mistake again. And saying this in an interview, he has said that his approach to playing Nathan Drake in the upcoming movie may have been a mistake in an interview with GQ. Holland reflected on his role in the Uncharted movie, now dated for release in 2022, and shared his own personal concerns about his acting performance. He said he felt at times like he kind of fell into that spell. Oh, concentrating on the way he looked in the certain shots rather than channeling all of his focus solely into playing the character. Saying, as soon as I st you start worrying, do I look good in the shot? Acting becomes something other than playing the character. 
I think there are other elements in my performance being a try movie in which I kind of fell into that spell of being, I want to look good now. I wanted this to be my cool moment. I had to play a very tough, very stoic guy, basically, be Mark, Wal Mark Wahlberg. He went on to say that the experience had taught him an important lesson about his attitude towards certain elements of a role. He admitted that even though he has yet to see whether he successfully delivered Nathan Drake's big action hero moments, he would probably consider taking a different approach to the way he plays these type of characters in the future. Oh dear. So, yeah, should we start getting worried? Should we start getting worried? Can we, can we be worried, please? I'm going to take you all on break so then you can start worrying for me. Thank you. I'll see you in a minute. And we're back. District 10 and District District 10 is in the works from the creators of District 9. Neil has revealed that work is now being underway to District 10 screenplay. He, the director, announced on Twitter that he has retained with District 9 partners, partners to write the screenplay. For District 10, the long way follow up to his sci fi action movie District 9, which opened in 20, 2009 to critical acclaim. He told us while his District 10 screenplay is also being written, then it's coming. Yeah, so his team is working on the new District 10. It's been long rumored and speculated for years, but up until now, he has kept the seemingly prioritized to other projects. In 2013, he told the great idea for a District 9 follow up, but he had a bunch of other ideas and stuff. Update he wanted to make first. He provided a further update in 2013, telling IGN that he needed to find the right time to work on the sequel. So in recent years, he's on various horror shorts. Here's under his Oats Studio banner. The studio's first short was an alien invasion aftermath tale called Raka. Uh, the second was Firebase, which introduced viewers to a world alternate history take of the Vietnam War. And the third one was Zayat, a sci-fi horror thriller featuring Dakota Fanning and J Jose. Pablo Cantelo. I'm pretty sure I put that last name wrong. Sorry, man. He's also been keeping busy during the pandemic. Last summer, he filmed an under-the-radar supernatural horror movie in British Columbia, which is set on set COVID-19 protocols. While it's in place, the movie is said to be something that he always wanted to make and would reportedly have strong sci-fi and virtual effects component, like his other feature-length movies. He's so get ready for District 10. And, and all that I'm saying that is sure to come. Speaking of, we're not done with Fortnite. Because Batman is coming. Oh, I, I don't mean like they're going to make skin models for them. No, no, no. It's much stupider. Turns out, Batman is returning to the world of Fortnite. He's bringing Catwoman and Harley Quinn along for the ride. Which is the latest collaboration between DC and Epic Games. is dubbed Batman Fortnite Zero Point. But while this is in the first... The Dark Knight's first chance to first dance with the Fortnite. This crossover is unique, primarily driven by a cool comic book tie-in. Yeah, they're making a comic book. Zero Point is a 60s Unit series scripted by Christina's Gage, who wrote Spider Again, based on a concept story construction by CCO Donald Mustard. Or by Epic Games, the series features art from Riley Brown. Own uh, Christian Dunst, Nelson DeCastro, John Kelts. Zero Point brings the Dark Knight and other DC icons like Catwoman and Harley Quinn crashing into the Fortnite universe. With Batman struggling to remember who he is and where he comes from, came from, and solve the mystery of Zero Point. The series will be in canon with the Fortnite universe and add layers to the game's mythology. DC Bruce release teases this. 
As Batman fights to recall his past and escape an endless loop of chaos and struggle, he's come to face to face with the likes of Renegade Raider, Fishstick, Bandolier, and more. While the world's greatest detective strives to make sense of the strange new world, he uncovers shocking truths about the island, what lies beyond the loop, and how everything is connected to the mysterious Zero Point. Each issue will be released on a day and date in print and digital format. But Fortnite fans will have a special incentive to buy the print versions. Each print will come with an included DLC code for Batman Thief Island for costumes to use in the Fortnite. With the first being a DC Rebirth Harley Quinn costume. Collecting all six will allow players to unlock an exclusive armored Batman Zero skin. So yes, you can finally be Batman again, but that privilege requires a certain level of commitment. Yipes. Alternatively, Zero Point will also be free for at least the Infinite Universe subscribers on the Infinite service, along with the DLC codes. Oh, God. The, the series will debate on Tuesday, April 20th, with the new issue shipping twice monthly until the finale on July 6th. <laughs> Why? So, wait, does that mean that Fortnite stories from Marvel that was going on is now canon, which means Marvel and DC is going to happen again, but it's going to be through Fortnite, which will make everyone cry who don't play Fortnite? Oh, man, what? how could you do this to us, man? How could you do this? Oh, man, how could they do this to us? Meanwhile, the director of Godzilla vs. King Kong def has announced that it will not end in a draw. Definitely. So, th this is what the this is what the director revealed, saying that the monster matchup, saying this is the decider, one wins, and that's it. Yeah, when I think back to the original movie King Kong vs. Godzilla, I remember having conversations with my friends talking about the film when I was a kid. And we were still debating who would win the fight, and the film, for one, doesn't really pick a winner. It's very much a draw. It's very unclear and muddy who wins. So, they're basically saying, we're going to go ahead and decide who will be the definitive winner between Godzilla, 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 and King Kong. So, get ready for that, and I'm pretty sure people are going to be pissed off at the end, because some people will say, no, Godzilla should have won. No, King Kong would have won. And then you're not going to please anybody because then you'll have a divided fan base saying that this will be War's bloodbath. And I, if people actually care about the monster verse, I've kind of forgotten about it at times. So, do you remember the face off from 1990 by John Woo? 1990s John Woo's classic face off. Apparently, there's a sequel being made saying it will be a definitive follow up to the original. Part of IGN's Fan Fest, Godzilla King Kong director Adam Wingard updated on the progress he's making with the action flick sequel. He made it very clear that he and his running partner Simon Bear, Simon Bear are penning a true sequel rather than any kind of reboot. I would never make a re make a remake to Face Off. I would never make a reboot, and I've seen a lot of people even after I said this is a direct sequel, they kept calling it a reboot hybrid sequel or a remake hybrid sequel. Well, it's none of that. This is Face Off 2. And I can say they, and I can't say what that means exactly, but this is either going to be the definitive follow-up to the movie, and everything that entails, or I'm not going to make it because everything got everything's got to line up perfectly. So the script's going really good, he says, saying Simon and him and Simon and him are almost finished, and Simon, who I worked on 
on with on the your next and the guest we've been working on a lot of recording and this was our main project face off 2 that's what it is it is face off 2 Ooh, and I'll just leave it at that hmm. Buffy actress alleges Joss Whedon abuse and unprofessional behavior and supports Ray Fisher oh dear Meanwhile, Justice League investigator Warner Media uh, dispute Ray Fisher's allegations against Wal Walter Hamada. Hem let's just call her Walter. Uh, let's just call the DC Films president Walter. Say so he tried to destroy a black man's credibility and tried to interfere with the investigation, he claims. And he's saying, do you all remember that time Walter Hamada and Warner Bros. tried to destroy a black man's credibility and publicly delegitimize and bury Steel's investigation with lies in the press? But hey, black Superman A over E. Warner Media responded saying that following the extensive investigation and from a third party, there was no interference found whatsoever. Once again, there are false statements being made about our executives and our companies surrounding the recent Justice League investigation. As we stated before, an extensive and thorough third-party investigation was conducted. Our executives, including Walter Hernandez, fully cooperated, and no evidence was found. Um, no evidence was found of any interference whatsoever. And Warner Bros. did not lie to the press. And it's time to stop saying otherwise and move forward productively. The investigator and former federal judge also spoke up, saying that there was no interference of any kind. And so, saying, I'm disappointed by the continued public statements made suggesting that Walter in any way interfered with the Justice League investigation. He did not. I interviewed him extensively on more than one occasion, specifically interviewed him concerning his very limited interaction with Mr. Fisher. I found him credible and forthcoming. I concluded that he did nothing that, imp that impeded or interfered with the investigation. To the contrary, I found the information he provided was very useful and advanced the investigation. This is the development regarding the investigation regarding the under the Joss Whedon Whedon cut of the 2017 Justice League. He calling him saying he's the most dangerous, calling Walter the most dangerous kind of enabler, and he would not be participating in any future production associated with him. So unless it's Zack Snyder's involvement. Also, sci-fi survival game Rift Edge gets an April console release date set to release on April 6th. Announced exclusively during IGN FanFest, there was a new trailer being showed off of the game in action and revealed a new platform and release date. So get ready for that, everybody. But we're not done yet. we got two more pieces of news in what is currently the shortest episode yet. Zack Snyder confirms the Justice League length and Snyder Cut Edit is locked. So announced, Snyder Cut Edit will... The Snyder Cut of Justice League has been announced to be... Four hours and two minutes. Oh, poor Snyder. He was only seven minutes away from being returned to King. Too bad. Since we released on, on HBO Max on March 18th, Snyder also released a brand new clip uh, of the Mother Box Origins clip that is packed with Easter eggs with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash. He also revealed that the Snyder will have a massive cliffhanger ending, what his thoughts are on Joker's redesign, and how the new version will flesh out Batman and the Batflix's full character arc. And the Snyder Cut will also reveal the two and a half hour never before seen footage with four and a five minutes of additional photography. Original footage from the theatrical release and elements that ended up on the Canon 4. For more, so, so FanFest was a eventful night, but. The, so people who want to see all this stuff, Batflick, Henry Cavill, yeah, Henry Cavill, Superman, 
Well, after the Snyder Cut, this might be it. Because to end this news, this week of news, a Superman movie reboot is in the works at Warner Brothers. J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot is producing it. Warner Brothers is gearing up to reboot the Superman franchise on the big screen. As first reported by Shadow and X and confirmed by Deadline, the studio is pursuing a new take on the Man of Steel, one produced through J.J. Abrams' production company, Bad Robot, and written by Coves. I can't pronounce the first name, so I'm not going to try. Bad Robot's Hannah is producing the reboot. No actors are currently attached. It's unclear if Henry Cavill will remain in the lead role or if the case or Taika will be cast to a new actor. Variety also confirms, along with the statements from Coates, that indicates no casting has yet taken place. However, Coates also seems to suggest that the reboot is still set in the DCEU. So there have been rumors going around that they're going to replace Superman with a black actor. And once again, I'm just like, okay, is this a multiverse one? Because they are aiming for a multiverse talk now. Oh, and yeah, J.J. Abrams as the guy that handles Superman. Okay, this is the thing. So people were hesitant to take J.J. Abrams seriously because of the damage that was done with the Star Wars sequel trilogy. And now people don't like it now. Don't look, look back on his past work like... Um, like Star Star Trek and Spider-Man comic he did with his son. I said to myself, look, the reason I can forgive him for Star Trek reboot and the uh, and the uh, Spider-Man comic that he did with his son, and is that in Spider-Man? That's an out of continuity, probably in the wider Marvel multiverse, not set in the main timeline, not in the set in the main universe. So okay, it's just an out of continuity story. Fine. Star Trek is a lot more forgiving because they went on and publicly said in the movie that this is not this is clearly a multiversal event. This is an alternate timeline. The timeline's been altered, but the other timeline still exists. So the original original Spock Spock is there. Spock. And yeah, he's in that movie. And plus the it and whereas Disney just said forget the Star Wars expanded universe, forget the Legends timeline. This is the new canon where everything is miserable, depressing, and does not have a happy ending like you, like they try to portray it as. They don't, in my honest opinion. But ultimately, they went ahead and said Star Trek's timeline is now splintered off. It's now a multiverse, essentially. So you, that's why you can get Star Trek Picard, why you can get the old classic Dis the Discovery event that's set in the original timeline with some minor hiccups in continuity or some great hiccups like the self-repairing robots, which were never invented yet. So, yeah, you can forgive the Star Trek reboot because at least it says, oh, it's not a reboot. It's more like we split off the timeline, but the other timeline still exists and we're still making stories there, like Star Trek Picard. So, yeah, that, that's what I'm going to say. But Zack Snyder's Superman movie will just be, once again, the infinite multiverse. And plus there have been black Superman, except it's in the multiverse, like President Superman Earth 2 Superman, which was a black person, and I'm just thinking like, oh, well, this will be the DCU. It probably exists in the now DC Omniverse. So, I'm not as mad, but I would love to see Henry Cavill come back and just do a proper Man of Steel sequel. Oh, instead of just, hey, let's just reboot everything because that will fix everything up. So, take it out what you will. So, this was me, a reality collective, presenting your weekly, your bi-weekly... Not by weekly. Oh, fuck. 
This is Media Reality Collective presenting you with your last half of this final week of February. Looking forward to more. Here's the outro, everyone, and stay tuned for more. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.